Trish, how dare you try to apply logic to this movie? (laughs) (laughs) We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. You raise walls, I destroy them. Let's see who prevails. Just because something works doesn't mean that it cannot be improved. I say we take off and loot the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Allow my sword to join you in the fight against evil. The world needs us to chase dreams. We have to dedicate ourselves each and every single day to this fight because I can't do it alone. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines. The power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us all unite! Welcome to Skipping Fanny's Torture Cinema, our podcast where we talk about questionable genre movies through the lens of a totally arbitrary like and dislike structure. The wheel will always turn, but for a little time, at least, we can rest. I hate you. (laughs) I'm Sean. I'm Jen. I'm Trish. And today we're here to talk about the movie that our patrons selected to torture us with, you bastards. Uh, A movie called Star Crash from 1978. This movie's terrible, and I hate everybody who picked it. But also love you because this should be an interesting podcast. It should be. I just really quickly want to give a shout out to AZ Louise. They were going to join us for this podcast. So they therefore voluntarily watched this movie so they could be on the podcast, but their internet didn't work. So I'm very sad about that. But just wanted to say, hi, we miss you. Just to to speak of voluntarily watching this movie... I made my friend watch this movie while I was on a short vacation. So you forced someone to watch this movie. Let's just say I put it on the TV while they were in the same room and (laughs) said, watch. (laughs) So, Larry, uh, thank you for watching it with me and also giving me something that we will be able to talk about today because there's a lot to say. But yeah, Larry, you are a trooper. Last shout out to Paul because he would have done that tagline way better than I did because I'm pretty sure he has a much better Christopher Plummer voice than I do. Why do, why do you have to bring Christopher Plummer into this? <laughs> Look, there were feelings. There were a lot of feelings yeah. about Christopher Plummer in this movie. <laughs> Just a few. Well, with that in mind, before we can get to, you know, synopsizing and all of that stuff, we obviously need to do what we always do, which is talk about what we're drinking. And so I will start with myself because I will be the vanilla for this Neapolitan ice cream. Uh, and that is that I am drinking water because I just did a 10-hour drive after a fairly late evening. Like, uh, you could almost say it was a bender, except I wasn't drunk. But I had a, a many beers. And so today I decided, no, I will just drink uh, dihydrogen monoxide, uh, which, as we all know, is a very dangerous substance. Uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? I'm going to drink it. It sounds delicious, frankly. It is delightful. Yeah. And so, Jen, what about you? I was going to drink a lovely, delightful mocktail because I don't actually drink that much alcohol anymore. But I had a really bad day. And so I decided to self-medicate with alcohol. 
So I am having a fruity, tropical, self-made punch with accidentally spiced rum spiking it. And it's delicious. And I feel much better already. Fantastic. (laughs) And Trish, what about you? Well, today I am drinking a sustaining cup of beef broth because I gave blood today. Oh, good for you. Everybody should give blood because it's it's good for the world. I, I can't give blood. My, my blood's tainted. I know you can't, but people who can should. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure someone donated blood that I got while I was in surgery once. Exactly. Thank you, Trish. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Or And girls and, and non-binary people who donate blood. Thank you. That's awesome. All right. Well, I guess that means we need to jump to the synopsis for this film. And I am not itting myself on this because I don't actually know what this movie's about. So hopefully someone else can give me a succinct plot synopsis thingy. So uh, some, someone do that because it's not me. I'm not itting. Frish, are you able to give a succinct plot summary of this? I think I can be succinct. Yes. Okay. Go for it. Smugglers are captured by the government and forced to go on a mission to save the emperor's son and stop an evil Elizabethan-looking count from blowing up the galaxy. Oh my god, that's the most succinct plot summary we've ever had in the history of torture cinema! (laughs) A plus! And it it actually made the movie make more sense! (laughs) Well, I mean, it made the plot that Trish gave make sense. The movie <laughs> at no point made nearly as much sense as that. So this is really like evidence that Trish is phenomenal. Because I have no idea how you managed to take the bizarre, just blah, just movie thing that we watched and turn that into that plot. Because even the plot summary on the wiki page is like a novel. <laughs> Really needlessly, because I think Trish basically gave the plot. I mean, that was the actual plot of this film. It just meanders so much. There are other things that happen, certainly, but I think that's the essence of it. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, part of this is this is because of the director, which I'm sure is not going to come up as a like or a dislike because we never mention actual directors. But Luigi Co- Cozy? Cozy? is known for making films that, I guess, start with a seemingly mundane or easy-to-understand premise and then get increasingly less sensical as it goes on, as more bizarre and strange things occur. And this apparently is, like, his trademark in films, is that. Uh, And this is just a, a perfect example of a film that makes increasingly less sense the more you watch it. So, yay. That just makes me want to go watch a bunch of his other movies. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is called Simply Shark. Another one, Alien Contamination. Oh, but the shark one is actually called Devilfish? I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, or Monster Shark. Maybe Monster Shark? Who knows? It, the, the cover of the thing just says shark. And it's it's in a very amazing cover. <laughs> it has many names. <laughs> so wait, no, so it's it's released as Shark, Devilfish, Monster from the Red Ocean, Devouring Waves, and Shark Red in the Ocean. And Monster Shark. He did a Godzilla film? Like what? He did the nineteen seventy seven Godzilla. No, he didn't. 
Uh, yeah, apparently he's the one that colorized it. Oh, he worked on it. He didn't make the movie. <laughs> he he purchased, no, 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 no. He purchased the original and colorized it in apparently a really bad way. I I don't even know. Like, I need to know more of this story because this is amazing and has nothing to do with the movie that we watched. So, David Anderdale, email Jen. Jen needs information. Email. Yes. I, I need this information. I have to know. David really wanted to be here because apparently this film is legendary. Um, And if, the only thing I can think of is that he means legendarily bad because... I, I don't I don't even He means legend terrible. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, so we do need to get started into actually tackling this film. We get one like and one dislike this round, although that will probably turn into forty seven on at least one of those categories. So we will start with likes, because I think we all have strong opinions, and I would like to go to Trish first, because that this should be your moment, Trish. So give us a like go well although she hardly ever wore clothing we did have a strong female protagonist in this movie who had non-sexual friendships with people with of the sort of opposite gender and uh who did things by herself some of the time that's true i was actually super impressed by that like on numerous occasions and her clothes, though questionable most of the time, weren't actually, like, they were kind of cool looking. So, you know. Mm-hmm. I did only question one of her. She had some questionable moral character. And she wasn't terribly smart either. But. No, but, like, I liked that she was of questionable moral character because most women protagonist if there is going to be one at all that is actually acting independently from a male character will be still like nice and good stella was not at all and i don't know if either one of you are going to mention the the breakout scene in either a like or a dislike are you no okay but when she breaks out of that prison needlessly it turns out <laughs> right she literally incites a revolution, like a breakout riot, lets all of the other prisoners get killed while she just hangs out and lets it happen, even though she's carrying a weapon that could help. Mm -hmm. And then she just ditches. And I was like, what is even going on here? One, why was that scene in the movie? Two, what a bitch. Excuse the language. <laughs> But, oh my god! <laughs> That's when I fell in love with her, though, because, like I said, as a female protagonist, that does not happen. Ever. Except maybe when you're talking about Sarah Connor from Terminator, who makes questionable moral choices in the pursuit of saving her son. But her, I get. Like, at least that's for the world. Like, Stella's just doing it because she's a smuggler or something. A lot of... Stella's character does not make a lot of sense. I agree. They put very little thought into Stella to the extent that she has just one name, really. Stella Star, um, which means <laughs> the same thing. So, yes, I'm not saying that she was deep or interesting as, as a strong female character. I, I guess it depends on your definition of strong. But, uh... 
an active, an active female character. I'll say that. Active. That is that is the perfect definition of her character. <laughs> I feel like active is a, is a word that has meaning that we don't necessarily intend. Because yes, the character does appear in many scenes and is present and maybe directly the instigator of many of these scenes, but also is a character that seems perfectly content to have the plot do the work while she sits there and things happen, which she just happens to be involved in. I can think of the, well, the prison scene is an example of this. And also the the very first time we meet them, where their entire shots, where it's just the two of them staring into space <laughs> for long periods of time until something happens, which is a comment that was the moment, I think, when we both, like my friend Larry and I broke down in laughter and giggles because it was just so ridiculous of like they weren't doing anything they were just staring at like nothing was happening they just stared into nothingness look, look it's not her fault that she literally got partnered with a deuce ex machina <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you say deus or douche ex machina <laughs> <laughs> gets to my like in a way uh in a sort of backhanded way which is and i'll just throw it out there because we're kind of on it and that is that the person that plays alton who is like i guess an android acton no he's an alien acton out acton alton whatever who gets the he is an alien? He's I, an alien. I didn't get yeah. that. I just assumed that he was some sort of bizarre robot android thing because he could come back to life for reasons, except when he decides just to die at the end for no fucking reason. Whatever. But the actor who plays him is a guy by the name of Marjo Gortner, which I did not know, but my friend Larry kindly pointed out, was a child preacher in the 60s. And 70s, I guess, to some degree, who eventually quit the sort of evangelical child preaching circuit because he stopped believing in it and eventually decided to go into acting and a little bit of music and other kinds of things. But yeah, so this this guy started out as like one of those child preachers, like went around and basically fleeced people out of their money. And he's in this movie Trying his damnedest, I guess, to be a serious actor in a really painfully silly film. But the background story, to me, is just so fascinating that that's where we've ended up. Uh, so, yeah. So, I thought that I would throw that out there. Also, he's just yelling on the screen because I'm watching this while we talk. And that was fun. Yeah. he, uh, uh, His character was, was... I don't even know. I can't even... No, I'm done. I can't talk about Acton because that character just kind of pissed me off. Honestly. He doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> he makes no sense whatsoever. This is going to be a, a common refrain. Given the fact that this film is basically one of many Star Wars knockoff films of the late 70s, early 80s, he is basically the Jedi Knight of he's the Luke, except that he's a super powered Luke from the beginning, and he knows it, and he like withholds information because hilariously, changing the future is against the law, which does that mean you can't do anything because I don't even understand how that would possibly be prosecutable. 
I'm going to be totally honest, Jen. I have no idea what you're talking about. He literally, <laughs> at one point, he says, I knew, oh, oh, when Thor, Thor, the bad, the, the guy who was working with them on the chip, the ship, he's like. The bad cop. The bad cop. Oh, yeah. oh, blue, blue cop. Yes. Green, green. Green, whatever he was. Awkward green cop who looks like the guy from Dungeons and Dragons, but gives less of a performance. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that guy. So he he tries to take over the ship, fails miserably because Acton saw the future. And Stella's like, why didn't you tell us that? And he's like, because changing the future is illegal. He did. It's true. It's It's like I said, right? Like, the director just threw stuff in here that makes, that just, it, oh, by the way, they have that that seems like a thing. I have future stuff. Like, I'm sure there was probably a moment where, like, two bears were, like, doing ballet that I just missed. Because this is the kind of film where weirder and weirder things are just bound to happen. I missed that. I'm sure that Emperor Christopher Plummer <laughs> had bears doing ballet off on the side. They're his pet ballerina bears. Because that would make more sense than his ship randomly having a time-stopping ray. <laughs> while right. also in his empire, it's illegal to change the future. Because those two things just do not work together. I, I kind of assumed that uh, alien... Acton, that's his name, uh, that it was illegal in the alien culture that he came from before he started hanging out with humans for whatever reason. Trish, how dare you try to apply logic to this movie? <laughs> <laughs> but also, it would be something that he never explicitly would say, because at, at no point did this character... When, when big plot elements are involved or big important details, does he ever just speak very directly and clearly? Right? Like, so like when they find the planet, like, so the, the, one of the plots in this is like that the, the evil, the evil wannabe guy from Flash Gordon, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the character because I'm. The whatever. Count. The Count, right? The Count, like, has built this weird thing that I guess just turns space into one of those lava lamps, uh, and so that, like, makes people go nuts, basically, and they, like, lose their minds and, like, whatever, right? And that's a super secret big weapon. And that part of this film is they're trying to find it and des destroy it because reasons. Oh, uh, this is my favorite plot point, though. <laughs> okay, okay. Are we on to your like now, Jim? Can we? Because I just changed it to this because it's hilarious. It's not actually a like, but it is a like because it's just so bonkers. Yeah, go for it. So... The Count creates this giant lava lamp machine to make everybody think that there's monsters in the world or something, or at least in a certain sector of space, only so that he can somehow randomly lure the Emperor's son to the planet where the machine is at, so that he can then lure the Emperor to that planet, where he can finally destroy the Emperor with the giant hand ship that he already has. That's his evil plot. Basically. Which makes no sense whatsoever. It's like, why would you have so many steps? How did you know the Emperor was going to send his son? Because why would the Emperor send his son? Nobody actually knows that still after watching this movie because it's just the stupidest thing you can do as an Emperor. But somehow the Count knows. Maybe he's using Acton's kind of people to foretell the future. Unfortunately, he can't foretell that he's going to get gloriously defeated by the big gay floating space city. But here we are. The big gay are. floating city? 
Yeah, the big gay floating space city. Did you not know that it's a giant rainbow flag? No! You didn't notice that it's a giant rainbow flag? How did you not notice? Oh, is it called the Rainbow City or something? No, it's called like the Eternal I don't even know what it was the called. The Eternal City of, of sadness and joy that gets sucked out of you. Yeah. But it was literally rainbow colored. I didn't realize that. I Honestly, I was not quite conscious at the end of this movie. That was my original like, was actually the big gay space city. The floating city. That's the name of it. The floating city. Very creative. <laughs> Even though it's in space, so technically not floating. It's just existing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in space. It's just in space. You know, that place with no gravity and therefore no need for flotation. I don't know. I'm not quite... Grasping how this is your like, Jen. I don't know either. There's nothing to actually like about this movie, Trish. If you find something to like about this movie, props, but... Really what it comes down to is that all of our likes are backhanded. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Those are the best kinds of likes for torture cinema. I like the big gay space (laughs) movie. I I did not like that it was used by the Emperor to beat the Count... In the Count's most ridiculous plot of all time, but I did like the big gay space city. Well, like, the the whole thing is like, we'll beat him by flying it into the flying hand. Flying it into the hand! Like, <laughs> why doesn't the Emperor have better weapons? What is he doing? <laughs> Stop time for three minutes, and yet he needs to evacuate an entire city in order to just toss it into the giant hand? I don't know! Nothing makes sense. No, it really doesn't. And it's just, there's a lot that's not explained. All I can think is that basically this movie was just an excuse to show off really bad space models. Well, we'll get to that. Calm your jets. Okay, jets calmed. I think I'm done. I don't Are know you? what my like was because I I just don't. You liked the the city itself because it I was did a like super the gay space city. It is a beautiful city and I hope that someday we have a real city like that. I just hope that an emperor doesn't use it to destroy a giant hand. Look, we can make Star Crash 3. There's a Star Crash 2? Sorta. So there is a film called uh, it is called Escape from Galaxy 3. It's it's the Galaxy 3 is the name of the galaxy, just to be clear. There aren't two other Escape from Galaxies. Uh, and that, that film has been dubbed Star Crash 2, largely because it uses stock footage from this <laughs> film for most of its special effects shots. Stock footage from this? <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that. We just, you broke Trish. <laughs> But yeah, so there's a lot to be said about our potential to make our own version of Star Crash 3 in which there is, in fact, a a big gay city. And we can just call it the big gay city in space. That we can. That's true. I think we should because I want that city to exist. The great news is, Jen, we could do this like in your backyard for almost the same quality level. <laughs> Have your kids be in it. Have your 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 husband could play like the 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 emperor's you know evil twin. We can get him a discount Doctor Strange haircut. Everything will be great. That would be great. Sean already has massive widow's peak, so <laughs> it might work. Um. Okay. So I have a question that is totally unrelated to likes and dislikes, but it's also a very valid question. It seemed like the characters in this movie uh went back and forth between deciding on what 
sphere of influence people have had. Was it a galaxy? Was it an, a universe? I don't know. Because the emperor is the emperor of the first circle of the universe. But on occasion, the count will be like, I am going to be master of the universe. Which I was like, no, you're not. That's He-Man, <laughs> obviously. Um, but secondly... He's only emperor of the first circle of the universe. But where are these circles of the universe? And most of the time, they just seem to be in, a like, a galaxy and maybe local star clusters, if anything. So I'm just wondering, what do you guys think this was actually operating on the level of? The universe or just one galaxy? I think it was one galaxy, and the title is an exaggeration, just like Holy Roman Emperor was neither holy nor Roman nor an emperor. That's a good point. I kind of want to think, I, I have decided that I'm going to believe that he is the emperor of the first circle of the universe. And the first circle of the universe is actually the Milky Way. Okay. And therefore, this is all taking place in the Milky Way somewhere. So I'm going to disagree strongly. <laughs> And I am going to strongly suggest that the problem is that you are assuming they all understand the geography of space and are not just simply confusing universe and galaxy to mean literally the exact same thing. And so they just use them interchangeably because neither of these civilizations, if we want to use that term, have spent any considerable time actually investigating anything. They just are stumbling upon technology and space flight, but there is no, like, concept of reason or scientific inquiry or, like, definitions of what words actually mean. And that's what that's going on. Or even what time is, clearly. Right, they don't <laughs> understand time either. Because at one point, Stella says, as she explains to the audience what hyperspace <laughs> is, but not until three quarters of the way through the movie, and she tells uh the evil space cop Thor hyperspace will cut down our flight time from what would normally take 2 months to only 2 hours you're like yeah that sounds awesome and then it takes uh, all of 2 seconds so i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure really if they even know what time is at that point i think this is like what's happened is there was a civilization that preceded them that was incredibly technologically advanced. And that what happened is all the characters we see now are the inheritors of that after the people that invented that all fucked off to another galaxy to go, like, on vacation. And so they're all just using technology that is basically hand-me-downs. They don't actually understand how any of it works. They know what buttons do. But in terms of anything else, they know nothing. This is like Jon Snow's left and right. That actually explains Paul's like. Do you want to know what Paul's like is? What's Paul's like? I feel very confident that this is, in fact, Paul's like. Oh, God. You ready? Go. The boarding torpedoes. <laughs> oh, no! no. <laughs> that was another moment where we were in giggle fits, because it is some of the most ridiculous... Like, so we, when we thought that scene came up, uh, so that they're, like, shooting torpedoes because they're fighting the giant space hand... Uh, and it's, it's like a big fight. Urgh, we're going to kill him. And then they shoot torpedoes. And we're all thinking, 
Look, torpedoes in space are kind of silly, but you know, whatever. Like they're borrowing nautical themes, go for it. So we think they're going to be real torpedoes. But nope. no, nope. no, these are <laughs> torpedoes that crash through windows yes. in ships, inside of which are also people. Yeah. And mind you, there is no vacuum in space for some reason. No, because clearly they have some technology that lets them, like, have impermeable to oxygen windows. <laughs> I guess. But what's great is, like... These torpedoes are just, they're just metal. So the windows in their ships are so crappy that it's like <laughs> the general thrust of this torpedo could go through the window, which like, I'm sorry, but it, you couldn't just shove a torpedo through like the International Space Station window. Those things are thick. They have to be to keep out vacuum. Uh, uh, clearly, boarding torpedoes are a special class of torpedo. They go really fast and mysteriously don't injure the people that are inside of them. Or actually go that far once they crash through the window. <laughs> they just sort of blonk. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, oh, I feel God. very, very confident that that is Paul's favorite thing about Star Crash. Tr- Trish, out of curiosity, what do you think Paul's favorite thing about Star Crash is? I think it's that Christopher Plummer got a paycheck, which he obviously needed desperately, or else why would he be in this thing? But did you read the interview they did with him? No, you need to stop, because this is going to be coming up very soon. (laughs) (laughs) No, I read the interview with the director, but I did not read the Christopher Plummer interview. Oh boy, we're going to come back to it when I'm sure Jen will bring it up. Okay, well then you get another one. What what else do you think Paul really liked about this movie? Mm. So I think it is the plucky uh, security robot. Oh, clearly it's L. Sure. Yes. That, yeah. That's his second favorite thing. And I think the thing he likes most about L is the curious accent they gave <laughs> him. Him or it. I, I, yeah, it I would think would be them. They. Them. Because uh, I, I don't know. They, they use a male voice, but they don't necessarily specify that it's a robot. So maybe and the name is. in the cast At list is point, spelled E-L-L-E, which is usually a feminine name. That's true. Let's just go with them because I don't, I think they're non-binary only because they actually bring up the fact that, uh, let a robot be misogynist for a minute or something like that. I forgot what the line exactly is. Time for a little robot chauvinism. Time for a little robot chauvinism. Thank you very much, Trish. (laughs) Best line in the movie. I just have to say. So, you know, Elle is an amazing character. (laughs) Just amazing. That is literally the best line in this film. Fight me. Uh, I was thinking of that as the alternate tagline for the movie, actually. Oh no, what's the alternate tagline? Well, that, time for a little robot chauvinism, as opposed to Plummer's speech of ennui. (laughs) 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 Oh god, that's such an amazing final speech, though. Uh, So good. I I actually had the opportunity to talk to Paul about this movie at a convention a while back. And, uh, you know, I didn't think we were ever going to get the opportunity to really talk about this because Paul and I had a good two and a half hour conversation. Liar. At a, and yeah, it was very good. It was longer than the movie. Uh, but Paul really, really loves this movie. This is almost as much a favorite to him as Black Hole. In oh, I'm fact, sure. As as we all remember, right, he, he has that storybook, or used to when he was a kid, of Black Hole. As it turns out, Paul actually has a full action figure set 
from Starcrash. Wow. I have seen it. It's in his apartment. It is okay, but for real, I would totally have action figures from this movie. <laughs> Try eBay. I'm just saying because Stella's costumes top notch. That plastic, you know, like onesie that she wears at the end, classic. <laughs> The space fighters, like the two different warring factions, the army guys or whatever you want to call them, from the opposing teams that for some reason they forgot to dub over in English because they were all speaking Italian. Those costumes, top notch for a space show. And of course, the count. You can't forget (laughs) the count. I mean, he's not quite the guy from Flash Gordon, but he just couldn't pull off, you know, the, the... Widow's Peaks quite as well. If you say so. I do say so. That would be an amazing action figure collection. Well, I mean, that's really what he likes about this, the action figures that he used to get. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would too. I I have to admit. You know, he spent, a, he spent, you know, at least most of his lunch money for this when he was a kid, so. How can I forget the killer robots at the end? Oh, yeah. The ones that were like three inches tall? Uh, yes, that they fight with the lightsaber. Ooh, and the giant lead Amazon monster. That'd be a cool one, too. The show could this chat. Okay, I think we have, we have plucked the joys out of the what did Paul love about this movie, which will oh, yeah. sometimes be a segment I'm sure we will do for this show now. Oh, I, ha- I think we have to. Uh, because Paul will scream on Twitter about it. <laughs> So, but we should shift over to dislikes because we have been already offering some of those. And I think we're just going to have to jump into the one that we already know is coming, which is going to Jen, which Christopher is Plummer! Christopher Plummer. Uh, please tell us, Jen, why are you mad about Christopher Plummer in this movie? Okay. For one thing, holy shit, man. How, how were you taken so low? But... No. The thing that I hate most about Christopher Plummer in Star Crash is the fact that he just doesn't, he neglects to mention the fact that this movie existed and still somehow says that the worst movie he ever acted in was The Sound of Music. So you know what? Fuck you, Christopher Plummer. Fuck you. (laughs) So... So there was an interview with Plummer, and I just want to bring up this juicy, beautiful quote about this film, which is why, Trish, I think that Christopher Plummer did not just do this for a paycheck, uh, bid it for an even less justified reason. <laughs> so Plummer said of the filming, quote, Give me Rome any day. I'll do porno in Rome as long as I get to Rome. Getting to Rome was the greatest thing that happened in that for me. I think it was only about three days in Rome on that one. It was all shot at once. And discussing his role about the Emperor, he said, How can you play the Emperor of the Universe? What a wonderful part to play. It puts God in a very dicey moment, doesn't it? He's very insecure, God, when the Emperor's around. Fuck you, Christopher Plummer! You didn't like the sound of music! And yet somehow, going to Rome was totally awesome! Wow. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, this interview, I can't remember when this interview came out. Uh, it, it's listed on on Wikipedia, but uh, you can find it there. Uh, one thing I find interesting is he says that he would have done a porno 
if as long as it was shot in Rome. And so now I'm really curious if anyone actually tried, <laughs> like found this interview and were like, we could get Christopher Plummer for this porno. We just have to do it in Rome. Like, that's all that's necessary. I don't know if you can film porno in Rome. It seems like maybe the, you know, the Catholic Church might have some issues, but you know, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm like, well, like, you couldn't do it in Vatican City. Unless you were really, really sneaky about it. <laughs> right. You could do it in Rome, for sure. I mean, you could just do, like, you know, gladiator butt combat in the cathedral. Like, whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, I would watch that porno. I'm not gonna lie. Plumber or gladiator <laughs> butt combat? <laughs> Christopher Plumber and gladiator in. butt combat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> proud day for me i have broken trish you're making me no regrets. <laughs> Ooh, okay okay now that uh, we have broken trish i think it's a per- perfect time for her to do her dislike yay okay well we've already talked about the horrible misuse of logic uh and people doing weird things and what is time so um moving on from that i will just say how much i hated the pacing of this movie um i usually consider myself honor bound to actually watch through a torture cinema movie but i did many many 10 second jumps as we watched fake starships i mean I guess they're always fake in a movie, but really fake-looking Lego starships uh, advance toward and from toward and recede from the camera. So uh, we just didn't need all those long shots of uh, starships moving. Um, so so yeah, I uh, other than the logic, I really hated the pacing. It didn't need to be like that. It could have been a nice 80-minute movie. <laughs> well, not nice, but it could have been shorter at least. <laughs> well, if they, yeah, if they had cut out 40 minutes of just staring at people's faces <laughs> oh, for God. a solid minute each, and then going back to the other one for another minute, and then back to the other one for another minute, like, I think that would have cut a lot of this film out, for sure. I mean, it's especially like some of the the face shots. Like, it looks like someone's taking a crap. I mean, it really does. There, there's, I'm, I have it on right now, and there's a moment when the evil, you know, security guy literally is like squinting one of his eyes in in what looks like a "I'm on the throne and you're filming me. What are you doing?" moments. Uh, but that's like most of the time we're just getting pictures of faces of either people smiling, staring, smiling and staring. Or just sitting there. Not necessarily staring at anything, but just sitting there. Or occasionally Marjo going, yay! And like bouncing up and down. Yeah, there's there are a lot of just needlessly long shots of everything. The circuit boards, you know, <laughs> with supposedly spaceships flying over them. The, uh. Like, it'll go across the entire freaking circuit board. Like, I didn't need to see every piece of this. I'm sorry. I know you're trying to be Star Wars, but you failed in the first minute of this <laughs> film. So please, just stop. stop. If they had just spent less money having unnecessary spaceship shots 
and more money on making a film that's good, this wouldn't have been a total loss. Like, at least, it probably would never have been good. I think it's just, we can just assume that it would be terrible. But it might have had redeeming qualities, rather than some of the, the examples that we've had to make up, because let's be honest, we didn't actually find anything to like about this movie, unless you're Paul. Uh, but they didn't. They spent, like, all, all of this money on these these CG... Well, they're not CG, but they're the, these shots of models flying across a really poorly done starscape. And it's it's pointless. Why are we doing this? They used Legos in the models. I'm just Of saying. course they did. <laughs> <laughs> they paid like an American company to do the, the filming, but they made them in like 12 seconds at home. They were just like, yeah, what stuff do you have? I've got some Legos and some plastic no, I found. They apparently hired an Italian company to do this. Like, yeah, it was a guy hired- in his oh. backyard. <laughs> Okay, that's entirely possible. It's Giacomo in his backyard. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you, Trish. One hundred percent. Pacing was terrible. There is a reason that about thirty to forty minutes into it, Paul and I were like, "Holy crap! There's another hour of this film. What is going on?" Oh, so much the same. Oh, God. Even at the end, I, I, I watched the first hour of this, and then I stopped because we I, we had to go. We had a five-hour drive to do the following day. And then we got in the, the night uh, that night, and we we're like, oh, I got a half hour to watch. This should go pretty quick, right? Because it's the finale, so it'll at least be a little action-y. And we watched about 20 minutes, and I was like, oh, my God, there is 10 minutes left of this? This last bit felt like fucking forever. It just takes forever for anything to happen. Like, even right now, like, this thing's playing. A half an hour has gone by. At least nine movies have already played. <laughs> I mean, the fact that it takes, the, for some reason, that they spend ten minutes just looking at the Emperor and the Emperor's son and Stella just standing there in the throne room while they're watching the battle. I mean, that should tell you something. Okay, so what was the deal? I just got to ask this question. So there's a moment when... When Marjo is playing with an obviously superimposed, like, light thing. He's just, like, playing with it in his hand and it's changing shapes and colors. What the fuck was that supposed to be? He's He's got superpowers. He can, he can... He can make light, beamy things out of his hands? Yes, he can, apparently. He, he said that he was... When the computer asked him, why are you wasting your time... He told the computer that he was examining his abilities. So I'm not yes. even sure uh. he has a human-shaped body. He may be like an energy being alien that was just inhabit- oh. inhabiting a human body for a while. That would explain why he disappears again <laughs> at the end. And also, Trish, please stop applying logic to this film. <laughs> Don't make me repeat myself again. We're going to remake this movie. There'll be a Kickstarter <laughs> for it, guys. So make sure that you support us at the, at the uh, no, no, Skipping no. Fanti Star Crash 2 Kickstarter. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's totally happening. Jen, I am a creature of logic and circuits. Uh, I have no room for craziness. Direct quote from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why did you remember stuff? Why? Why? <laughs> Okay, okay. We we seriously have to get to more dislikes. Uh, I don't know where we are. Who's gone? And you are last. You are our final. I, yeah, oh, that's I'm the it. only one left. Yep. And then we're done. 
Oh boy. Okay, what what to dislike about this movie? Uh, well, that is a real tough call. Because there is almost nothing redeemable about this movie, except that it does make you uh, laugh with just how terrible it is, which I guess is a redeeming quality. But I would not watch this willingly again. I I want to just say that probably for me, the one thing I cannot stand is just how much money and time they spent on some of the worst visual effects ever in what was clearly a grab at the Star Wars market. And and by money they spent, they spent money on effects that honestly are... They're like... If a child did it, you'd be really impressed because a child came up with that. And that's like... They've never done special effects before. And if a kid... If a five-year-old made this movie, you honestly would be watching this and going, damn, this is really impressive. Right? A five-year-old, like, with just, like, some Legos at home made this film and, like, got his grandpa to play, like, the evil, like, you know, the security guard. Great, right? The wild Uncle Joe, like, plays the the evil count. But no, that's not the film we got. What we get are long sequences of ships flying across a really terrible background. We get sequences of the 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 evil, like, assassin droids that the count gets that are very obviously being filmed right in front of the camera and are like three inches tall. And somehow they thought that this was going to work, not to mention they stop animated it really poorly. Uh, they, They do tons and tons of this throughout the film and spend so much money on really, really, really shitty special effects that you really just kind of wish that they had just thrown all that out and just made like a fantasy film with just cool costumes. Because that would have been much more interesting. But no, they wasted it on really terrible special effects. It did have really good costumes. Uh, they did have great costumes. I will say the part that made me crack up the most was the bit where she walks up up into onto the ramp to get into the ship. But it's very clear that the ship's not there and they just put like a staircase behind it to make it look like she was walking up the ramp. But it's really obvious she's not actually walking up the ramp. Oh, oh, is that the spot when Elle says, watch your step? No, no, that's the other one. No, that the watch your step is when they get into the weird pod. Oh, the, with the weird pod thing. I lost <laughs> my shit when he said that because it was like, wow, the set designers were so bad. That they literally left a step there, and he, I guarantee the only reason he says that is because the actor playing the body of L, because it was a different voice actor from the suit actor, he literally has to like bend his entire body over so that he can see that step. And I think what happened was they were like, well, we somehow have to explain why L the robot had to literally like, bend over in order to go over the step because he can't see that step when he's looking straight because he has no peripheral vision in that suit. So in post, they were like, this looks freaking ridiculous. Let's have him say something. And so L says, watch your step. (laughs) And you're like, why is this? What is? Yeah, that was basically this entire movie was them fucking up somehow and having to explain it in post. That makes a lot of sense. Also, I will just say, I will say that the the little pod thing, I don't know if you noticed, but we did while we were watching it, that there is actually the the beeping sound of one of those uh, forklift things, because I'm pretty sure that pod is being held up, and somehow they filmed the forklift sound. 
in the audio. After it lands on the beach? After it quote-unquote lands. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, it tells you a lot about the production quality. Also, could we just say that Marjo's powers are really just a long series of Chekhov guns? Oh, that's why he's the douche ex machina. I know, douche ex machina. Coming to a theater near you. <laughs> I think we need to put that in Urban Dictionary if it's not already in there. Douche ex machina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, you done? Uh, oh, we're, we are done. This is going to be the shortest torture cinema because this movie, while we could talk about it forever, it there's just a point at which I feel like there's just no point. Because <laughs> this film is holy sweet mother of God garbage. It is bad. So let's do our final thoughts and our grades, shall we? Yeah. So that, that'll go straight to you, Trish. Okay. Uh, final thought. I watched the trailer before I watched the movie, and it seemed to promise a movie with a lot of flashy space battle stuff and almost no dialogue, and I feel betrayed. <laughs> However, there was almost nothing that really offended me about this movie. It was just a waste of time, so I'll give it a C-. minus. Sweet mother of God. <laughs> I think that's a totally fair grade, given no. that it really is not actually problematically offensive it's just offensively bad it's logically offensive sure but so many movies are <laughs> yes oh god and directorially offensive and scriptorially offensive and i'm making up words now but all of those things are offensive but it didn't make me angry nope well I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it made me angry but wow Okay. Just go back to my dislike and you know why. <laughs> All right, Jen. Then that leads us to you then. Final thoughts and your grade go. Final thoughts. I will never give forgive Christopher Plummer for uh, his feelings about the sound of music. He got to be in Rome though, Jen. Shut up. Just shut up. I'm, st I'm still like, I'm, I'm, I'm offended. I'm <laughs> offended. Fuming. My childhood. Okay. My childhood crushed. By this man who somehow thought this movie was better? Oh, okay. Deep, calming thoughts. Calming thoughts, calming thoughts. Uh, but given all of that, it's just a, it's, it's such a mishmash of things that are happening in this. Like, we didn't even part, we didn't mention the Amazons. Like, what the hell were they? And their airships, which somehow flew in space. I don't even know. But, Aside from the fact that this movie, though Trish was able to summarize it quite nicely, this movie made no <laughs> sense on any logical level. It was so bad in terms of pacing that we literally were checking our clocks constantly, praying for this movie to end. And when you realize there's still 20 minutes left, when you hit what should be the final <laughs> scenes that should maybe take 10 minutes, it's just sheer torture from then on out. That said, still not the worst movie we've ever seen on torture cinema. It's close, though. But I, I can't actually give it like an F minus or an F because I usually refers, uh, reserve those grades for movies that, like Trish mentioned, are just utterly offensive to my sense of being. And though Christopher Plummer did almost do that, single-handedly. I can't give this more than, I'm gonna go with a D. 
A D, I think, is a good grade for this movie. Sean, your turn. Uh, I hate you all. <laughs> good! So, I don't think you, you guys, un- you all understand what grades are and how they work. And I get it because neither of you are teachers. But this is an example of where somewhere in the F territory. This this film definitely deserves it. But you know what? I will try really hard to respect your wrong opinion <laughs> on this film. I will. I will. Uh, at least I will respect Trish's because I, I actually like Trish. But Jen, I, it's going to be a tough one for me with you. Wait, 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 wait. You have never given us a grading rubric for torture cinema. So these grades are completely subjective and therefore all are perfectly perfect well so i will admit that that's my mistake for have putting my faith in you (laughs) for assuming that you could have figured that out on your own like an adult but you know sometimes uh you know i make mistakes and i i guess i really needed to hold your hands through this but you did you did you know i will accept one 37th of the responsibility for that and the rest i will put firmly on your shoulders jen love you i mean that's (laughs) you're actually taking more responsibility than you usually do so i'm calling it a win (laughs) okay no seriously so here's the thing for me f grades i typically give to films that are yes they can be deeply offensive if there's lots and lots of offensive garbage whether it's because of the quality of the film or it does things that are offensive we've had plenty of examples of those throughout torture cinema but i also reserve f range grades for films that are so trash that they're all they really should not have existed in the first place and don't have any redeeming qualities we've had films that are bad that have lots of issues but are ultimately boring this one is a film that's desperately trying to be interesting and fails to do almost anything at least when we watch zardoz I could go, oh, well, there were some interesting ideas they were tackling with. They failed utterly at everything they were trying to do because the director was high. But, you know, such is life. This is a film where the director, I I have to assume, was not on drugs, but maybe he should have been because the film might have made more sense. Uh, This is a film that is so poorly crafted from start to finish, both from direction, from set design. I mean, about the only thing interesting maybe is costumes uh the characterization the acting all of it is just garbage this is a film that is infamously terrible for a reason because it is in fact terrible this is not a genre masterpiece like something like say mac and me which i consider to be one of the greatest films of all time but such is life you can't always win it and in this case this film is total fucking garbage and it is an f minus for me it is one of the worst films we've ever watched for torture cinema in my opinion there you go wow your opinion is wrong as usual because for some reason you still like mac and me i like it ironically i know you do yeah but just the difference here Given that you're actually operating off of a rubric, I think F- minus is completely fair. But really, that just takes way too much effort. So I'm going with my D. And I think Trisha's C- minus was the C-, minus, right? That's what I said. I could, you know, certainly be convinced to give it a D plus instead. But, yeah, you know, it's it's no one should waste their time watching this movie ever since we've done it for you. But, uh... Exactly. <laughs> You know, it, it, I won't lie awake at night being angry about it, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Right. Exactly. So Paul would actually be able to give us an accurate, you know, uh, average of our things. But I think it's somewhere around a D minus, probably. Something like that. We'll figure it out in post. (laughs) Exactly. For now, D minus. And I think that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Works for me. It's fine. I mean, it's better than the movie. I mean, there is that, I guess. Yeah, so. (laughs) So is this podcast. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, this podcast is definitely better than this fucking movie. You could just skip right over. I mean, if we go for another half hour, at least we could say that you could listen to this while the movie's playing and it would basically be the same length. But at least it would be more interesting. But alas, that's not what we're here to do because we are done with this film, which means we need to get to all the ending stuff that we do at the end of podcasts, which means we thank all of the listeners because you all are delightful and beautiful and wonderful and handsome. And we love you very much. And we want to thank our Patreon people for selecting this movie. You can, of course, do that by going to skiffyandfanty.com or, well, no, that's not where you go. You don't go there. You go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty. But if you want to find out more about our podcast, you go to skiffyandfanty.com. Or if you'd like to email us for any reason, whether it's to tell us why you really love this film or hate it, you can do that at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com. Or you can even send us tweets via Twitter, at Skiffy and Fanty. All of those things are wonderful things. You can also, though it has nothing to do with this movie, but it is delightful as well, go to our booktube at youtube.com slash Skiffy and Fanty, where you will find us talking about bookie things. Those are much better things to watch than this movie. Sure, but make sure to listen to this podcast on repeat for at least a week and you'll understand. So, <laughs> uh, if you don't want to miss anything, obviously go to skiffyandfanty.com slash newsletter, sign up for that. Jen vaguely sort of runs that. Uh, I think it's, you know, at least like a C-plus quality, but, you know, you can do it you know, what you want with that. I'd call it a D, frankly. <laughs> no, Jen does good work there. So, you know, we have a newsletter if you wanted to do that. But in any case, that's it. That's all we got to talk about. We're done talking about Star Crash 1. But do look out for the Kickstarter coming soon for the Skiffing Fanti does Star Crash 2. I thought we were doing Star Crash 3. Star, sorry. Honestly, we'll do 2 <laughs> as well. Because why not? Uh, we'll just use stock footage from both the previous films. It's fine. <laughs> So do look out for that. It'll probably be something like kickstarter.com slash starcrash3 or 2, whichever. Uh, so on that note, we're done with this podcast. I'm going to say wait, goodbye. Wait, wait, wait. Do the John Martha. Because the fact that they did Stella, Simon, Stella, Simon was one of the most amazing things ever. Why was that in this movie? I don't know. It's it's David Hasselhoff, which we didn't even talk about this movie. It's a young Hass. It's a young Hoff. <laughs> it's a young Hass. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's before he became the Hoff. You know, he was he was the Hass back then. It didn't stick. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, we can end. On that note, <laughs> awkward ending and scene. <laughs> If you would like to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty or find us on Twitter at skiffyandfanty, our webpage skiffyandfanty.com, or you can even send us an email at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com. The intro music for this podcast was taken from Rock Thing by Creo. You can find out more about their music on freemusicarchive.org.